0: Welcome to Catholic Town, sponsored by the National Shrine Grotto of Our Lady of Lourdes and Mount St. Mary's University. Catholic Town aims to highlight people, places, and movements that are spreading the kingdom of God in the historic town of Emmitsburg, Maryland, and beyond. Join us as we sit down with Catholic figures of all types, hear their stories, and get to the heart of what drives them.
1: This is David McCarthy from Mount St. Mary's. I'm talking with Pete Dorsey. If you listen to our previous podcast on Lent, he is our Dean of the College of Liberal Arts. Been at Mount St. Mary's since what year?
2: I came in the fall of 87.
1: Fall of 87.
2: I think this is my 33rd year.
1: And I'm sure many times you have heard the stories, uh, which I think are... um, Legend now, they're legend, legend in the sense they've been exaggerated and molded about people that had you in the late 80s. And I think there's this story of you going to class and it's like sitting down and people asking, like, where's the teacher? And like you would get up and say, oh, yeah, it's me.
2: Now, that never really <laughs> I know, happened. I'd
1: That's... say it's legend. They've become legend. Yeah,
2: I, 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 I looked youthful.
1: Yes, but... and you still do.
2: Well, thank you for the compliment. Yes, yes. There you go.
1: Anyway, um, so here we are talking about Easter. I have to have a little disclaimer. Uh, I was on, I did a few of these with Monsignor Baker from the seminary. And I think at that time I told him, you know, I'm a a theologian, or I was a theologian, now an administrator. And in my um, sort of faith life, I kind of, I always did. I've always turned off the intellectual self. You know, like, I, I'm not a person that would go to a mass and then, like, criticize the homily because it wasn't academic enough or, or had academic mistakes, you know. I just sort of, and, and in these, when we talk about Lent here, we're going to talk about Easter. Then, because I've done that, I feel like I should know more about specifics. <laughs>
2: that makes sure. sense. Yeah, no, that, yeah. I understand. I,
1: I feel like, oh, I'm, I'm failing my profession because we talked the previous podcast about Holy Week and how that were, didn't, was in relation to when, Lent. What mm-hmm. um, you have the Triduum, right, uh, which is Good Friday and then Holy Thursday and then Easter. So I'm assuming that's not part of Lent.
2: But I don't think it is technically.
1: Yeah. So anyway, the point is, um, we're just going to talk about the Easter season is what I'm getting at. Um, Okay. We could do a little bit about Holy Week. I actually want to start with Palm Sunday, but then we've got, like, say, Monday, Thursday, and then uh, Easter. And then the whole Easter season is all the way up into Pentecost. Did you know this?
2: I did. Okay.
1: And then Pentecost is 50. So it's 50 days after Easter. Pentecost is the... Uh, day of the giving of the spirit. Um, and what's usually read is the God uh, the a- acts is read on that. Well, acts, I'll get to that in a minute, but, the uh, uh, giving of the spirit to the disciples in acts, second chapter of acts, right? That's, yes. that's what Pentecost is about. So the Easter season is from Easter to Pentecost.
2: It's interesting how you pick up an extra 10 days from Lent. I know, yeah. So it's kind of like Um, a bonus, maybe.
1: Now, I am going, I'm pulling this out of my head, and I am willing to say I am probably wrong, but I think I'm right, that the reason Pentecost is Pentecost is there was already a a Jewish feast, Feast of Booths, maybe? That's why I'm not sure. um, The giving of the law That happened 50 days after Passover. Okay. So what happens, uh, we did this a little bit with Monsignor Baker, but um, Easter, um, you know, Christmas actually is the taking over of a more pagan uh, period, you know, uh, rising sun, all that sort of stuff. Yes, I know Uh, that. Easter, yeah, Easter is taking over of the, or a a retooling, let's say, Mm -hmm. because you know, the Messiah has come of, of Passover. And so Pentecost happens on the related holiday, holy day. You could say that makes yeah, sense. That's yeah, yes, That yeah. makes sense. Hey, hey I'm just going to throw in this because I feel knowledgeable. I was at the odd house on a couple weeks ago for trivia night on Wednesday. And the question was asked, why do we have the day of Easter that we have? And I actually knew that one. So I want to show off for a minute. Yeah, and I have no idea. Okay, Easter is the first Sunday that falls at or after the first full moon, which after the equinox. Okay. The interesting thing about that is that it's taking uh, and that taking both a sun calendar for you know the Roman calendar that first started out as the Julian calendar, which happens like forty five or something BC, and then we have the Gregorian, which is 1500s. That's, anyway,
2: that's right.
1: Anyway, the Roman calendar is based on the sun. The Jewish calendar is based on the moon and still is today. Mm-hmm. And that's why uh, Passover sometimes hits around Easter. And sometimes it's a little distant right? because Jews hold to their lunar calendar for the Passover while Christians have a combo of lunar and solar. Okay. It has to do with full moon has to do with the, uh, the equinox as well. Uh, Eastern Orthodox have a different Easter than Catholics or Western Christians, I say, I should say, Protestants, Catholics in the West, hold it on the same day. Orthodox, it's, I think it's a week after this year mm-hmm. because they go still by the Julian calendar than, rather than Gregorian. So there's your differences. you got Jews, Eastern Christians, Western Christians, all are going to have slightly different Easters. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and that was just gratuitous trivia because was good I time. was able to answer that question at the odd house for trivia night. All right, moving on. Um, Before as we go through the Easter season, I want to start out with Palm Sunday, just quite frankly, because it's interesting. Uh, The reading from the gospel reading parishes usually have two or three readers because they read the whole narrative from the Last Supper to the trial to the crucifixion. Yes. And uh, it can be from different gospels depending upon the liturgical year, mm-hmm. we're in Matthew right now. So this year it'll be from Matthew and they'll have a couple lectors and the priest. Right. Right. What mass do you go to?
2: We usually back? go to eight o'clock in okay, Emmitsburg so, now.
1: So you usually do that then for that? Sure. Wait, Easter. Yeah. For Palm Sunday. Yeah. Right. Of yeah, course. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Are you a lector yourself? I was a lector for about 18 years, but you, you didn't do that one. Oh yeah, I participated. Oh, you did that. Yeah, I've been the narrator for that one before. Yeah, but yeah, 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 which yeah. is a little nerve wracking.
2: Yeah, it's a me. little stressful, and I yeah, got to yeah, say, stressful. one time I skipped a page. Yeah, that's you know they put it yeah. in the in the binder. Yeah, and I flipped it, and uh, I, I, you know, and I felt horrible. Yeah, you know, and I, the the, the priest uh, was very kind. You know, he yeah. said, "Don't worry about it." Yeah, but I felt really bad. Yeah, all
1: right. So I just want to go through a few interesting things about that reading, uh, other than being long and people take parts. Um, I'm flipping. Probably can hear my my flipping of pages. Uh, sorry about that. Okay, I want to get it. So the first thing I want to do about that reading is um, when they're having the Last Supper, Jesus, uh, you know, has the cup, and then everybody drinks from the cup, and he has the bread. Yes, right. Uh, later, when he's praying and, in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's thinking, ah, maybe this doesn't have to happen. And he says, um, you know, Father, let this cup pass from me. Right. That, but then he says, then your will be done. Right. Right. So I want to channel Father Jim Donahue right now. So we we have a friend and colleague who's now in Tanzania, Tanzania, right, as the rector of a seminary. Right. right. But hopefully he'll be back with us. He tells a story, um, and I'm going to get the details all wrong. In fact, I won't even include the details. And he's a great homilist and storyteller. He is. So I'm not going to compete with that. I'm just going to give you the important parts. Okay. So I've heard him talk on this. And he talks about this passing of the cup. Um, apparently, I think it's the movie Gallipoli which is a World War One Northern Africa movie. Mm-hmm. But like I say, I could be wrong with my details. And he talks about people knowing they're going to have to charge out of the trenches the next morning. And they're um, talking about it and like, what are they going to do? And they just all decide, yeah, we're just going gonna to do it. Mm-hmm. And they pass around this cigarette and they all like, you know, they've made a pact. Yeah. Right. We're all in. Right. And he talks about that passage as... Being all in, like the disciples are all in. Will you share this cup with me? Right. And like I say, I can't do it with the impact that Jim does it, Father Jim does it, but Mm -hmm. you get the point. Right. And that makes it really interesting if you think that's also the very moment he says, hey, but the fellow dipping in the wine with me, he's going to betray me. Mm -hmm. Right. And then um, at the very moment, like everybody's sort of like on the same page. Right? We're in this together. And um, and then in Matthew, Jesus, in some of the gospel, I think it's John, like Judas bolts,
0: like right. he's gone.
1: Okay, And this, he just denies it, right? He says, yeah. oh, nah, not me. Right. No, not me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Which we would expect somebody to betray you to say. But anyway, moving on. So I, I think that's an interesting way to set the whole thing up. Mm-hmm. Fair enough? Because yes. that makes people... Peter's denial, like even, you know, it, it makes it why it's such a—or why the disciples would scatter even being a big problem.
2: Well, I would say, you know, given how closely their scattering occurs after that event, you know, none of them really are looking all that good.
1: No, they are not looking good. And I also have to say, in all the Gospels, in Matthew, if people listen up to, it's actually not—the person isn't named as Peter— but when Jesus gets arrested, we have one thing he says to Judas. So you're going to betray me with a kiss. Right. Mm-hmm. Which um, I think of those like war movies where are other sort of things I've seen. I can't remember one in particular, but like somebody comes home from the war and then like it's killed by something random. Right. Right. It just sort of seems like, Oh, is it, is, you know, is this, is this how it's going to be? And I kind of think of that, right. Like, of all the ways that I I've been through all of this and the, what you're going to do is kiss me and betray me. Right. Yeah. So that just seems like, a anyway. Yeah. Oh, I just realized that's probably where it comes from in Godfather.
2: Ah, uh, right. Yes. Yes, yes,
1: yes, That's so. yes. Yeah. It's a very really, you know, all the religious themes in that movie. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Moving on. But G- P- Peter pulls out a sword and hacks off somebody's ear then right. Jesus has to kind of put it back on and say, no, this isn't the program, right? No, right. that's not what we're doing. Yeah. Which I really think that's interesting too, because um disciples are like, we're all in, we're all in, mm-hmm. but they're not. They kind of still don't get it. Right? And they're kind of on a different page. Yeah, they're on a different page. Jesus is going to, I still think, I think if you look at the gospels, they think they're going to go to Jerusalem. They still think Jesus is going to kick some Roman Heine, you know, he's going to kick some Romans around. Right. And, and get the job done. I mean, we're going to, that
2: would probably be the the traditional Hollywood version. Exactly.
1: It's going to go into action film mode rather than,
2: and then it's going to be this glorious victory. right?
1: Yeah. 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 And I, and and I think the scattering and the sword kind of display that, which I, uh, to me, well, certainly it humanizes the disciples in it. And, and I'm going to get to this later, it really puts a huge meaning on the first words that Jesus usually says in his appearance to the disciples after his death. Peace. Yes. Do not, do not be afraid. Peace. Wonderful. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because in a little set, in a small sense, not like Judas, but they've all
2: betrayed him. Yes. Now, I'll add... So because my name is Peter, yes. I have been hypersensitive mm. to the actions and inactions of Peter in that passion narrative. Oh, interesting. And on the one hand, I love Peter. He's my favorite saint. Yes. But on the other hand, doesn't really come out looking too good. Yes. Yeah. Through that sequence. And, you know, and yet Jesus made him the first pope. Okay. So this is what I have to
1: say, just say to students about this in general and even talking about the church. I used to say, although this might not exist anymore, but I used to say, if you go and do people watch the Emmy Awards on TV?
2: Like can't I can't get too far on that one.
1: Okay. Cause I might've done that 30 years ago.
2: But yeah, wasn't it maybe, it, wasn't I might it, make 10, 15 minutes. But people bit. do do this I think and they, they, do. Do,
1: they got the beautiful people sitting around tables and yes. when the camera gets on them, they kind of laugh and, you know, smile and you know, it's all, but the beautiful people. And, um, I think sometimes we mistakenly think in faith wise, that's the church, right? It's right. the all stars. They show up. Right. But it's not, right? Right. Right. Uh, Augustine said, we're bound together not by how good we are, but by God's forgiveness. And right. so I think having Peter be the one mm-hmm. is actually appropriate because he's the one that wants it so bad, blows it, gets forgiven rallies does the job. Don't you think Has, that's great?
2: Well, I, I can tend to still be a little disappointed. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But yes yes. yes, yes. But, you know, it reminds me, I, I saw a homily over there at St. Anthony's by yes. Father Hannon, as you remember. I do remember and, Father Hannan. And I think it was, it might've been on All Saints Day. Uh-huh. And one of the points he made was, you know, saints aren't always saints, right? In other yeah. words, in order to become a saint, Yes. You do not have to always act in a saintly way throughout your entire life. Yeah. And I did find great comfort in that. Yes. In other words, that you can screw up, you know you can sin, yes. right and yet still attain sainthood. So yes. I think Peter's a great example of that.
1: Okay, so since we're, I will add that to, I think saints are, I don't want, I, I'm, I want to say necessarily, but I will draw back from it a little bit eccentric. Right. And that is off centered because most of us spend our lives centering ourselves on world, the world and things we do in the world and yes. things we do to do day to day. Right. And what makes a saint a saint is not like they're nice. Right. But that they're so incredibly God focused. Right. And they're going to be off center to us. Yes. Because they're centered on God. Yes. So I'm, I'll push it further than you and say, and or from father Hannon and, and say, not only you know, are you not going to be what we usually call saintly, but we mistakenly often think saintly is like easy to deal with. Right. Uh, but often saints are so centered on God.
2: So they're difficult. They, they're a thorn in our lives. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: So and had you written a book about saints? I have. So you would know.
1: I would. And there's this line and I wish I could come up with the person and I can't. There's this medieval saint, early modern saint whose sister, It's a great line, just something about her her brother just being crazy. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because I think there's nothing worse than being a brother or sister to a saint, right? Because... It would be challenging. It would be challenging, yeah. Yeah. Okay, hey, I'm going to insert on these narratives in the Bible in general, I think of myself as a Pharisee. Because I thought, what is the closest thing to the teacher of theology in the Bible? It's a Pharisee. And so I always get embarrassed by the Pharisees. Okay. And I always try to give the best spin possible on the
2: Pharisees
1: in my own head. You're
2: a little kinder to the
1: Pharisees. I am very kind to the Pharisees. I am. And I think that when we... My view is that when we get kinder to the Pharisees, then we actually have to judge ourselves a little bit more because if we beat up on the Pharise- The Pharisees are so bad. So often it's like we could do anything and look good. Yeah. So, um, but the Pharisees are going to come in in this narrative too, right? Sure. Because he's going to get accused of blasphemy, but I'm just going to throw that in. You know, we'll, we'll get there. Okay. So I think we've done well with that, uh, with these, I just want to say Jesus is alone. Yeah, Jesus is on his own. We did that, you know, the, the, the cup thing, and you said, the thing you said about Peter. I think yes. it's significant to the pathway toward Easter or Holy Week is that, I guess Jesus says in the cross, my God, my God, how have you forsaken me? Right. But it's really all of us, not God, who yeah. has forsaken him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And one of the things in that, um, in the narrative on Palm Sunday when it gets read, the congregation gets all the bad lines. I was
2: going to mention that because yeah. you know I
1: I've wrestled with that one. Yeah. It's I, almost, I think
2: maybe yeah. I mean in my mind maybe, hey, could we take turns in here? <laughs> I
1: know. Well that's one of the benefits. I asked you if you ever done it. That's one of the benefits of actually being a by the podium and be, playing part in the narrative is you don't have to say things like crucify him and yeah, the other true, nasty, and the other nasty things we say like you save yourself. I mean, sir, you saved others. Why can't you save yourself? So yes.
2: Yeah, but even when I'm reading up there, I, I know that I'm still basically yeah. in the pews there saying crucify him. Okay,
1: so I'm going to make a comment on that because I like I say it was my job to think long and hard about these things. So this is my view of this. Uh, One thing that I grew up with was that the reason that Jesus, the crowd was against Jesus and Jesus got crucified is because you basically had uh, envious church leaders that kind of just got good people that would normally really be with Jesus all the way. They just got manipulated through some kind of religious propaganda just to you know, they were sheep and their shepherd got, you know, got them, you know, just to say crucify and they didn't really want it themselves or something like
2: that. That sounds very plausible That's, to
1: me. No. Okay. So I'll end that and we'll take a break and I'll tell you what reflection I have on that problem.
0: How do you want to be remembered? Please consider including Mount St. Mary's in your will or state plan. Remembering the Mount in Your Plan is easy, qualifies you for membership in our 1808 Society, and will provide opportunities for future students to call the Mount their home. For more information, visit our website at msmary.edu. All
1: right, so we're going to talk about the crowd yelling, crucify them, Chris Right. Before we get there, I just want to note, because I, I wanted to go, since the whole Holy Week is in that Palm Sunday reading. I just wanted to go over it in order somewhat. I mean, we've taken little diversions, but I just want to say that Jesus does go before two different courts in all the gospels, one religious, one political. He gets accused of blasphemy by the religious court, right? And he gets accused of something like sedition or rebellion. Sedition. You're an English teacher. What does sedition actually mean? Is that the right word? Yeah, I think uh, yeah.
2: crime undermining the state. Okay, okay, like that. yeah, yeah,
1: that would be the word then. Um, so, and then he gets accused of that. And that's why Pilate is going to, in a sense, mock all Jews by putting above Jesus's cross, king of the Jews. And that's why the Pharisees and Sadducees say, hey, couldn't you just write, he said he was the king of the Jews? Right. Pilate says, I have written what I have written, meaning... I'm poking all of you with this one, right? Right. right. This is what happens. Jews don't have this. Is what this is? This is where Jewish kings go, right? To the cross. Gosh. And, and you know, it's a subject. He was announcing their subjugation, right, by okay. saying, "Here's the king." You know, the king of the Jews. Yeah.
2: Here but, you, you know, got it. I gotta say, otherwise though, you know, Pilate ends up looking pretty good.
1: Yeah, he washes his hand and stuff. Well, yeah. because yeah.
2: well, if you if you if if your theory is correct that that the the crowd of Jews probably wouldn't want to, wanted to have Jesus crucified, but they were sheep because some yeah. religious well, leaders gonna go convinced that him, I'm going to go against that
1: theory. I'm going to go against that theory.
2: Okay. Yeah, but anyway, but yeah. like Pilate kind of sees through it, right? Yeah. Pilate sees, no, I don't see. Yeah. The of a now,
1: crime. Th- and that's an interesting thing about Pilate. Now I, I'm not a biblical scholar, so I'm just drawing on others on this, but most of the things that I've read paint Pilate as sort of a cynical manipulator or oh, player. So it's almost like he could, there was enough people that would want him crucified that he could just say, Oh, I'm not doing it. Right. right. And then have it done anyway. Oh. Right. So he, he making it an inter Jewish problem is to his political advantage. I see. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So that's the kind of stuff I've read about Pilate. Okay. Different gospels, give different, different shades. I think, um, I think John, John is the gospel. John is for me is the most pro pilot uh, description. And there's this slight description. I think it's when John is when his um, pilot's wife, like has a dream and says, you know, Hey, lay off this dude. Right. And that kind of stuff. Um, Now, historically speaking, like you say, most stuff I've read um, has him being a little more cynical in his just manner of behavior in general and here specifically, you know, rather than being like this guy that's just trying to do the best he can. Right. right, Sort of thing. Okay. So anyway, he goes before, I just want to note that he gets accused of two different crimes, one against God. Let's say one against God's kingship, one against Caesar's king, uh, right? Kingship. So I think that's, that's where we go now. What happens, this is the crowd thing. Uh, so when Pilate says, hey, I'll give you somebody, release somebody today, and they all cry out for Barabbas, uh, the Gospel of Luke is where this is clearer. So, um, if you, you know, all the Gospels, basically it's the same narrative. They're just different details included in ones. Um, he, Barabbas is, I think in all of them, Barabbas, certainly in Luke and John, Gravis is called a, a brigand yes. a rebel. Yeah. Okay. And and by the way, it's the same word for the people, the two men on the cross with Jesus, they're brigands. So what they are, are, um, I don't want to, I don't want to overstate this and I'm going to overstate it by the analogy I'm going to use. They're Robin hood ish, at least for the Jewish people. Okay. I mean, pilots or the Romans aren't going to think of them that way but they're bandits they're robbing trade lines and, you know, hiding in the Hills where people can't find them and sort of jumping out and, and um, robbing Um, because, you know, they're, they're collecting among their bands, people without work. You know, the Romans are in control and they're, um, you know, uh, Jews in general are economically in a bad way, uh, taxed a lot. And, and, and the economy, you know, is all focused toward Rome And then there's this anger against well-off Jews as well, as you can imagine what happened to, so, um, or Jews in power. So there's all those dynamics happening. So the call for Barabbas as a brigand fits with Peter cutting off the guy's ear. That is, Jesus isn't delivering. Give us the guy who will deliver. Give us the brigand. Mm -hmm. So for me, uh, reading the Gospels consistently and that, that, trial scene consistently, people call for Barabbas not because they're getting tricked by religious leaders, but most of them, like Peter, want Romans out. Yeah. And Barabbas as the choice is a logical choice.
2: Right. And I I seem to have learned somewhere by someone that that there were... I would go even further than say Robin Hood, that he was kind of a revolutionary, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a person who advocated, right, the elimination of Roman rule. Fair enough. And therefore... Yes. ...was a desirable person to free in that respect Yeah, the the backdrop
1: to this is that uh, about 200 years before, 167 BC, the uh, Maccabeans, so you can read that in the Book of Maccabees, right, the Maccabean family or, or that group overthrew the Greeks who had uh, desecrated the temple and gained control over Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. So they're always thinking back to that time where this can be done again. Right. It was the Greeks. Now it'll be the Romans. Yeah. So, so I think, um, you know, to say about that and we're back to in the crowd, we're saying, so I have the same reaction to you with the crowd. And again, part of my job as a theologian was to kind of reflect on these things all the time. And I did, and I started to think, for myself when I had to say crucify him or like say you've saved others, why don't you save yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, that I had to recognize then that um, what's, we say this on Palm Sunday, right? So that week I had to think, oh, yeah, if Jesus was here right now, things wouldn't be easier for me to have faith. They might be harder. Right. Because, you know, again, when I was little, I thought, oh, my faith would be so much easier if Jesus were here now and I could see him.
0: Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But, you know, now I realize, oh, no, it wouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Because it would be confusing. Yeah. Back to the thing we did last time about Lent, about am I going to have faith in this way of follow Jesus because of cash and prizes and boy, life is going to be easy Mm -hmm. versus is this about the redemption of the world? Right, and maybe a harder thing for me. Yeah. So, anyway, so that seems to me. You got any, any response? I think that's the whole of it. Uh, I miss. I skipped over things like the uh, soldiers mocking Jesus. I think that fits with, like I say, the the challenge in the in that narrative. Jesus um, is mocked as the Son of God. Right, called blasphemy, and then he's mocked as a king. Right, right, and I think both of those things are important for Palm Sunday. You know, as we go through Holy Week. Fair enough. Sounds good. because yes. we don't want a king who redeems the world. No, no, we want a king that crushes the people we don't like.
2: Right. Yeah. Right. We're still in the yes. in the Hollywood mode. Yes, and ways. I have
1: to say, yeah. I mean, uh, to judge myself, sort of psychically, I'm always in that spot. Right. Yeah. That I want. I want. I mean, want
2: your team to win.
1: Yeah. You want, thanks. And in my baddest moment, I want God to be Stalin. <laughs> right. Bring the kingdom of God, regardless of anybody's ready for it or on board and just, you know, send them all to Siberia. Right.
2: Okay. Yeah. I'm not there then. I'm not the the. You want, the, but yes, you want your team to
1: win. You want your team to win. Yeah. All right. So uh, going on then to Easter. Um, I have, I was going to say, oh, I know what I was going to say first. I wanted to ask you about um, your Easter morning or Easter day. We mentioned what we do on Good Friday, but Easter rituals, family things.
2: Well, so, yeah, I've thought a lot about this. And I guess I was probably still pretty young when I found out, right, that Easter is the greatest feast In the church's calendar, you said you were young when you found. I I think I was fairly young at that Uh, when I found that out. But you think it's, but I, yeah, but in my mind that didn't sort of fit, Because Christmas had been so built up in my mind, right? So, and and I think my parents were very consciously trying to make sure that we understood Easter as an important holiday. So Mm -hmm. we didn't have this every year, but you know, but but we did get some presents on Easter. And I think it was because my parents wanted us to, to understand that not only was Easter important, but Easter was at least uh, going, for, you know, going for what they could get, right? Easter was at least as important
1: as Christmas. Now, right? did you give any presents to your own children
2: on Easter? Yeah, so, so we, we did that, and we actually continued to do that. Well, that's good. Be, because I wanted to kind of keep that message going. You should have told me this 20 years ago. Oh, well. Because I would have given presents to my children. Okay.
1: <laughs> You've probably saved me some money. But yeah, yeah it's I a great did. it is a great idea.
2: Yeah, and I and that's all, all to my parents. I I still remember like one Easter morning when I was probably in second grade, I got a periscope. Wow. And my gosh, you know, springtime with a periscope. I mean, yeah. what could be better than that? Yeah. Right? Wow. Wow. So, but I think you know we, we've always you know we've always participated in Easter egg hunts. You know, mm-hmm. my mom mm-hmm. organized one when we moved to Emmitsburg. You know, neighbors and friends, yeah. some of whom you know, and, yep. and participated with did them as well. So the Easter egg uh, was was part of the ritual. I mean, I think you know, I I always feel. You know, there's this sort of tendency for people to celebrate their holidays in similar ways. So I think, you know, right. there are tendencies to, to try to celebrate Easter in a way that's similar to Christmas. So, for example, we, we kind of had this rule of Christmas is like, you cannot open your presents until after Mass. You know, we kind of kept that going with Easter. Like, we're not going to, quote, unquote, open the Easter basket and whatever presents were there, you know, until after yes. we've come back from Mass. Yes. So, so those were, you know, and then, of course, you know, we had like a nice... For some reason in our house, it was often ham was the Easter, the, the big Easter right. dinner. right? And, um, you know, it, it was a time to visit family. So when we lived in New Jersey, we would often go visit either with my grandmother or visit with my grandmother and my aunt on the Easter holiday. So, I mean, I always liked those holidays like Thanksgiving and Easter, you know, where the focus was not necessarily on the gifts it was the focus on the gathering together. Oh,
1: that's why you said because I was going to ask you that. You said you start you started that out by saying doing things together, and then you shifted to like doing things after mass. So, um, having Easter, what you're saying is Easter was a um, I don't want to use the word communal, maybe at least a wider family event.
2: It tended to be, yeah, yeah, probably more than Christmas. I would think so. Yeah, that's I interesting. Would, I would think so. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I remember growing up, there was, you know, a good number of Easter's that we traveled. Yeah. And then there was also a good number of Easter's, uh, you know, where, where we had company.
1: Yeah. Our so, last podcast, we talked about the public nature of Ash Wednesday. And um, it's worth thinking for us just a little while about the public nature of Easter then. Certainly is the public nature of Christmas, And I would say that that's um, what religions are. I'm not a person that says, oh, I'm spiritual, not religious. I think people should be religious. um, And like spiritual is like an extra. (laughs) Yes. I
2: would agree. You
1: would. I would. Oh, that's so few people agree with us.
2: In fact, I, I sort of, this carries over into my life. Whenever there's a gathering or a celebration or just whether it be a cocktail party or a family reunion, right? I want to have this formal part of it. Like there has to be the, there has to be some ceremony in order, in order for me to make it feel official.
1: Right. And so my way of saying this uh, is where I used to talk to students about this and they're so geared toward the other direction. It would never actually work, right? They're so geared to being spiritual and not religious. Right. But I would say like, I can go, in my backyard and kick a soccer ball around. I used to tell the story about how I would, during the middle of um, football games, watching them on Sunday on TV. I'd go into the backyard and it was the middle of winter in Massachusetts. Nobody wanted to play football with me, so I'd have my own game where I like I kick it into the air and catch it and then get the touchdown or tackle myself. You know those sorts of things. Sure. But the point is, all of that made sense. All that I did in my backyard or my home or whatever made sense only because there was a formal game with institutions around it called football. Right. And any meaning that I did was drawn from there. Right. And so if you, if we had a world where there were no religions, we could have a world where there are no spiritual people either because spiritual people, which is, I'm not saying I'm not against it, but you know, being spiritual and not religious is really drawing on, religious institutions, not only Christian, but, you know, that, that carry on formal ways of understanding the world and how things work and who human beings are, because these things have to be acted out and expressed meaningfully in culture. Right. I agree. So I think it's an interesting question about those things that you're raising about that. I think it's a great thing to say that we have to focus on making Easter public in that same way. Like we know Christmas is. Mm -hmm. And even though Christmas is un-Christmassy, right? Mm -hmm. Knights of Columbus have keep Christ in Christmas. Still, it creates a setting where religiously Christmas can be a big thing. Yes. And then we have, uh, we already talked about Ash Wednesday and ashes and these sorts of things. And I think it's a great thing that you said that we need to focus on making Easter public and communal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's that's a, that's a great, um, like I say, so I think as Easter comes along, we have to kind of focus on how, how do we do that? Right. Because if it is the biggest day, biggest holy day, mm-hmm. we have to make it as communal as possible. That yeah. sounds right. Yeah. No, it's really good. I think it's really, really good thing. If anybody gets anything out of this recording and me. Like Easter coming up, I think. Yeah, that's the thing.
2: Yeah, and the ideal solution would not be just to sort of mimic something that happens at Christmas, right? It right. To have something that would be distinct from.
1: Yeah. Christmas. Now, when I was growing up, we got our we got our set of church clothes for the year on Easter. It was the first time we wore them.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that would apply more to my sisters, but oh. I, th- I think we had a Oh yeah, I got a little
1: suit. I got a suit. Yeah, so I think. Well, not a suit. A suit jacket and pants, let's yes. say. Yeah. So I may
2: have and gotten tie. one suit, and my sisters maybe got dresses every year.
1: Yeah, and through uh, and through the seventies, there were some ugly suits. Yeah. Yeah, late sixties. So since. so
2: probably I made out well there yeah, without yeah, having yeah. to wear those. Yeah.
1: So um, right. So Easter. Uh, I um we do Easter eggs. I did a quick looking. I did not go deep. It was kind of interesting. Eggs, a symbol of rebirth. That's obvious, right? Not obvious, but it's. Um, this is a way that Catholicism, in particular, uh, takes in cultural things and and brings them into a meaningful structure, right? Yeah. And uh, apparently that happens in Germany. Mm-hmm. And then one thing I found. Which might not be true if the, inter- the internet doesn't lie, does it?
2: Of course it does.
1: Okay. Well, let's assume that if the internet doesn't lie, then the move from eggs to baskets of candy is through the candy egg.
0: You Makes got a regular sense. egg,
1: you get a candy egg. All right. You get a jelly bean, which looks like an egg. And then from there, it opens the door to, for anything to happen. Okay. Right. Yeah. So Easter bunny apparently is a German thing. Uh, bunny laying, an egg laying bunny. Uh, okay. Who knows? I didn't, yeah, I, so you, I did not go deep. Right. Yeah. Right. But, but it does make sense that, like I say, at least it makes sense going from egg, which makes sense rebirth to candy egg mm-hmm. to then opening the door
2: to. Yeah. Now my wife, Sheila also mentioned that, you know, rabbits come out of the ground. So, oh, so, rabbits are good. Yeah, so rabbits are in a cave-like oh. shelter, and they emerge from the ground. Oh, so two symbols joining together. Yeah. Yeah, that so is good. So that could good. be part of it.
1: Uh, that, that, that is, if it isn't, it should be. But right. yeah, no, that sounds very good. She didn't learn that. On yeah, because
2: it is odd. They don't lay eggs, right?
1: Yeah, I've always yeah. got confused. Yeah, that, yeah, coming out of the ground. You
2: almost in your mind think that they would because of Easter.
1: Right, Yeah. yeah.
2: But, you know, I, before we go on, I don't yeah. know if we're done talking about Easter egg hunts. So when you're talking about yeah, what's gonna... about the communal, yes. you know, the, the, the need to make Easter public, like I think we do have to give a shout out to like the organizers of the world, right? So, yes. as you know, in our neighborhood, Dolores Smith would organize this massive neighborhood-wide Easter. Easter yes, I remember I know St. Anthony's Shrine has had these large scale Easter egg cons. Yes. And then, you know, when our kids got older, uh, Bill and Ann Rupert would host an Easter egg hunt. And, and like, that's a lot of work, right? That's it's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. And it's, you have to not only please the children, you have to please the adults who are bringing the children. <laughs> and, gosh, what a great gift those kind of people are. And we should try to emulate them.
1: And I have to say, having experienced uh, at least the Smiths and the Ruperts. Did you have somebody in between?
2: I just mentioned St. Anthony's. Oh, St. Anthony's, our, our and that too.
1: Yeah. And then um, on, uh, on um, Annandale here near campus is the Laguerres do this. Wonderful. But it becomes a communal gathering, right? You eat, you know, you, it, yeah. It, it does exactly what we were just talking about, about making it public and making it, I remember when my kids were little, like those things were just the greatest things ever.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Just running around with other kids.
2: And, and, and in and those field. instances, they, they are at least, uh, you know, duplicating the excitement of Christmas. Yeah.
1: Since we're name dropping, um, I have to say that we still have Sean Smith with us.
2: Right. And he's yes. at the mount.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Hi, Sean Smith. Right. Yeah. He, he's an IT guy.
2: Yeah. He's great.
1: Yeah, he is. All right. So there we go. Uh, I think we'll take a break, come back, talk about a little bit of scripture in the Easter season and then end it off. But at least we know from this little segment, we're making Easter public again. I'm all for it.
2: Yeah.
0: We know that you have many options when it comes to giving. So why not choose your mountain home? From enhancing academic offerings to athletic programming, your support ensures that our students continue to lead lives of significance. To make your gift, visit msmary.edu today.
1: Hello, David McCarthy back with Pete Dorsey. Uh, we have talked quite a long time about Easter. I hope it's helped you with your own reflection on what you're going to be doing for Easter and the Easter season. I wanted to end off just by um, mentioning a few themes of the gospels during the Easter season. Um, I don't even know if I uh, had, Oh, I do have it right here. I actually have Easter Sunday lectionary. One thing, I don't know if you noticed, but you were a lector, you might've noticed. Um, usually during mass, we have an old Testament reading, a Paul let, a letter from the gospels. I'm sorry, a letter from the new Testament and then a gospel. Right. During the Easter season, we have the book of Acts right? instead of the Old Testament. So you have an Acts, a letter, and then the gospel. Mm-hmm. And those, I was looking through them all. I mean, we won't repeat them all, but they all do seem to be leading up to the giving of the spirit at um, pe- the day of Pentecost. Right. Right there in the temple. Mm-hmm. Right. And then... Um, what, what happens, uh, the Holy Spirit comes to them like tongues of fire. Right. They all speak, they all hear in their own language. Right. Now, I know our parish tried to, used to try to emulate this by having a reading, say a prayer, a pair of the people, of people speaking in different languages. Right. Yes, so... We have um, Suzanne who would do German. And I think at that time we had Mike Miller who do Hebrew, right? I think uh, Kathy Bonan read French and these sorts of things. Right. But it actually was, it was a nice try. We all got the point, but it was actually Pentecost in reverse, Right, because we
2: weren't understanding what they were saying. Exactly.
1: So the thing was not me, anyway. Yeah, but I think I just want to dwell on the significance of under everybody understanding in their own language. So one person was talking, everyone understood in their own language. Yes, which is a which is a can't humans can't do that. No, for one, I guess the like the UN tries to, I suppose. Right, you got translators talking to everybody's ear. Right. Right. And I guess the UN example, I didn't intend to do the UN example, but I think that's, that, that is what you're trying to get at, right? That people don't have to change who they are, right? From different cultures or different countries. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about Pentecost. This is an image of God. You know, the, the new Israel is now Jew and Gentile, all the peoples of the world. Mm -hmm. So it's an embrace of all the peoples of the world rather than, all the peoples of the world having to try to come become something else. Right. Right. It's the reverse of the tower of
2: Babel. Yes. You knew this. I've heard that reference. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Cause it's the tower wonderful.
1: of Babel is in Genesis 11, right? Yeah. Wait. Yeah. I just doubted myself. It's in Genesis 11, right before the call of Abraham. And uh so after after the Noah's Ark, right? So it's like, okay, redo, redo, right? So it's when people are deciding they're going to build a tower up to the gods. Is that the yes? And then they end up speaking different languages. Right. Because yeah, they're not supposed to do this. Right. It's pride. It's human pride. Yeah. Then you have the call of Abraham, which is significant, because God, God then chooses one people to be a light to all, so that the city set on the hill. Right. So I'm um, I'm doing I'm shifting to Matthew now. Matthew five, uh, chapter five. Uh, Let your good deeds shine before uh, before others, so mm-hmm. that they may see your good deeds and give glory to God. So Israel's supposed to be a city set on a hill. Um, where God's glory is seen and everybody's attracted to it, the pilgrimage of nations. That's what Pentecost is, right? That's good. All the nations of the world um, are are there. I mean, that's the symbolism of that. Right, right? so there's and echoes they, he, of the
2: epiphany there as well. Echoes, of, go with that. Well, because, you oh, know... Oh, yeah, go. Yeah, so, so the epiphany is Jesus's manifestation to the rest of the world, not just, you know, to the Jews. But so in a sense...
1: You talk about after, the wise men. The yeah, East. the wise men, right? Yeah, right, yeah. No, yeah. this is good. I had never made that connection. That's great. Yeah,
2: and and so I guess you know after you know Jesus has, you know, has come, died, and, and risen, right? We, we we still want to echo that theme, right? So he yes. hasn't just yes. you know, no. died and risen. You know, for Jewish people, or or even for the sort of budding, beginning church, it's it's, it's sort of for everybody.
1: Yeah. So uh, by the way, Monsignor Baker made that point in one of our earlier podcasts and that had never occurred to me um it sort of redid the whole thing in my head right so great so that we have all the world's that's a pilgrimage see that's even better um yeah it's the pilgrimage of the nations to jesus Mm -hmm. cool yeah that's good all right so that's where the that's i'm saying that's where the um that Acts readings are headed toward there. Right. And so thematically they're going to do different things, but that's basically where they're heading. Um, in the readings, people can watch out for the reading of the gospels is um, there's a lot from John and Jesus relation to the father. We're going to have resurrection experiences like from Luke, the, the road to Emmaus. Right. Right, mm-hmm. I actually think that's. So I could get this wrong I'm not looking but it's the first Sunday of e- after Easter mm-hmm. it's the road to Emmaus and that's where the disciples are bummed out right. walking to Emmaus picking up a stranger walking with them mm-hmm. right tell them how miserable it is that there's this fellow Jesus and looked like he was the answer and, and he wasn't and then they recognize him
2: in the breaking of the
1: bread breaking of the bread yeah right? which is a nice thing for us right there or at any Mass because that's our, um, you know, the God with us. Right. For them is for us in that very breaking of the bread. Right. So I think that's that's a nice, I mean, I think it's significant. That's the reading this first Sunday after Easter. Right. But then you will have other things like the Transfiguration, which is another mini epiphany mm-hmm. or unepiphany. Mm-hmm. Jesus on the hill walks, walks with Elo- Moses and Elijah. Peter, James, and John say, wow, this is cool. Can we stay here? Right. Build some shelters. Tense. Yeah, yeah. Camp out for a while. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then it all ends and they have to go back to their lives. Yeah,
2: Peter yeah. gets it wrong again. <laughs> Peter gets it wrong again. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Bummer,
1: yeah. All right, and then and then you have the um, ascension. I think right before I, I'm I'm making this up right now. I'm, I'm just doing this for memory. Jesus ascending, yes, right, and which which sets up the giving of the Spirit, right? Jesus, uh, did you know? You probably knew this that the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts are written by the same person. I did. Okay, and so it is a two part series, right? So they're linked by the ascension, right? The ascension then makes way for the descending of the spirit. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. So there you go. I, I think that that's sufficient to, for people to look out for. It gives us, um, Oh, you know what else? I, 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 already mentioned it. Um, the other thing that comes up in, in the gospels during the Easter season is Jesus's appearances, obviously resurrection appearances. One is the road to Emmaus. And I think people can watch out for what he says. Mm-hmm. Peace, you know, do not be afraid peace. Right. And giving our, given our earlier conversation, I do think it's important to think about that in terms of the very people he's talking to the disciples. You've just mentioned Peter Mm -hmm. and like the forgiveness and grace that comes to Peter in that word peace. Yeah. 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 That's then Peter becomes in the end, Peter becomes the man. Mm hmm. I know you don't like it. Got a this. rocky road to get there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I hope this has been helpful for people just to think through their Easter season. It's uh, been helpful to me. Oh, really? It's been great talking to you, too, uh, and also helpful. So i, I got the—so what you've given to me today, my take-home is bring East, make Easter public. All yes. right. Or, you know, we got the Knights of Columbus. Bring Christ back in Christmas. Bring the East back in Easter. No, or something like that. But, yes, get yep. the Christ back in Easter. Yeah. Okay. Right. Take care.
2: Bye. You, too.